the books are kind of thick, aren't they? Do you see some of them are thick and some of them are really thin and short? Well, the same thing is in here. There are some books that are really short. Look at this right here. Can you see this? You want to come over here, Sarah, and look? This is one book right here. And it's not even a whole page. It's half a page. And look at this one. It's only a half a page, too. This is Second John, and this is Third John. And those are the shortest books in the Bible. But then look over here. Remember we talked about Psalms? And here, Psalms starts right here, and it goes all the way through all of these pages. So that's one of the thicker or fatter books of the Bible. It has more words in it. And then there are a whole bunch of books of the Bible that are in between. Not short, not long, just kind of in between. Well, the book was written a long, long time ago. This, but the Bible is very, very important to us still. So even though it was written many, 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 many years ago, we still read it, and it's still very, very special to us. And it's, it's a holy book. Inside this Bible, there are stories, there are poems, there are songs, there are letters and prayers, and there are stories about the history of God's people a long time ago. And it talks about Jesus' life and about the early church. And so all of the books have different things in them. But all of the books let us know how much God loves us. And it helps us know how we can show God that we love him. What I'd like each of you to do right now is come up and choose one of the books, okay? Just take one from the top and bring it over to me and sit down beside me. Just pick any book. Sarah, you want to come pick a book? Come get one of the books. We're going to look at what some of the names are from the books of the Bible. Yours says Second Corinthians. Let's see what yours says. Oh, Zephaniah. Can you say that? Zephaniah. And Gentry, you have Romans. Mason, let's see what you've got. You've got a big one. You've got the book of Psalms. My goodness, that was that's a big, thick book, isn't it? And Sarah, do you want to get a book? Want that one? Can you reach it? This one says First Kings. Wow, and each of these books has a title. And Jen, or Mason, yours says Deuteronomy. Wow, can we say that? Deuteronomy. Wow, that is a really long title, isn't it? So each of these books has a title from the Bible. Well, come on down here because I've got something for you. We'll just put these books on a pile, and I'll put them back up on our collection of books. But I'll have something else for you that you get to take home today. Did yours come apart? Yeah. yeah. We'll just stick it here like this, okay? All right. Let's fold our hands and say a prayer, and then I'm going to give you something, okay? You want to come over here and let's fold our hands? Dear God, thank you for giving us the Holy Bible. Help us to remember to read the words you've given us and help us to follow your way. Amen.
Now, I have a magnet that you can put on your refrigerator, and it has all 66 books, all the titles of the 66 books of the Bible. And I know that those are really hard words and that you won't be able to read those probably, but you can have someone at your house, mom or dad, read those for you. And those are all the books that are collected in the Bible. You're welcome. Did everybody get one?
Well, for our reading of the book of Leviticus this week, um, Dave gave us a couple helpful things. Um, Online, there was a um, What Leviticus Means for Christians Today, which is a document that I think had nine points to it. That was helpful um, to kind of give an overview of how we can read Leviticus in a way that, that is meaningful and helpful for today. Then there was also a, um, a little half sheet that was in the bulletins last week. And th- this is our time to respond to that half sheet. Um, there were two things to think about on that sheet. That, um, the question was, what does it mean to you to be holy people? What does it take? What's included in being holy people? And the second is, what does Leviticus say it takes to be holy people? So think about those two questions what does it mean to be, or what does it take, what's included in being holy people? What have you heard? What did you hear growing up? What do you firmly believe that it takes to be holy people? And then the second is, what did you find in Leviticus? What does Leviticus say? Um, we have ushers with microphones, so, so if you are thinking about that, you have an answer, you have maybe one, even just one item that uh, is included in being a holy people, feel free to raise your hand or, or call it out. But before we do that, There was also two trivia questions that Dave asked, and I wanted to see if anyone looked up those trivia questions and figured those out. The first one is, Dave mentioned that this time of year we have a lot of crickets. Sometimes they make make their way into our houses and in our basements, and Leviticus has a solution for that. Does anyone know what what the solution for crickets in your house is in Leviticus? Does anyone remember? Yes, go ahead. You can eat them. That is right. Leviticus 11, it talks about things that are detestable to eat, and it talks, about, it talks about creatures that have wings but also have four legs are detestable, except crickets, grasshoppers, katydids, and what was the other one? Crickets, grass... What was it? Locusts and locusts, that's right. That's right, John the Baptist. Yeah, see, so there's another way that you could be John the Baptist. Instead of a plate around your head, you could just come with locusts and eat them. The other trivia question was that there is a famous saying in this country. 
that's inscribed somewhere that, is, that comes out of Leviticus. Does anyone know what that saying is, where it is inscribed? And, and, yeah, and perhaps what the, what the words are. Did anyone look that up or have any idea? It's, it's famous to the history of the nation. And it's very close to where Dave and I call home originally. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. The Liberty Bell, which is in Philadelphia, says from um, Leviticus 25, proclaim liberty throughout the land to all the inhabitants thereof. That's from Leviticus 25, and that's inscribed on or, or at the memorial for the Liberty Bell. All right. Now, being holy, what's included? What's included in your mind? What's included in, in what you've heard from parents or from Sunday school teachers? And then what did you find in Leviticus? Raise your hand to get a microphone or call it out loudly enough that I can hear it. Love thy neighbor. Okay. Loving thy neighbor is a requirement for being holy people. And is that something you found in Leviticus or is that something that you know that you found that in Leviticus? Wonderful. Okay. Anybody else? Be different from the world. Okay. And is that something you've heard, you found in Leviticus, you know for yourself? It's, it's your, part of your understanding. Okay. What's included in being a holy people? Jill? Okay, you want to say that again in the microphone? Being devoted to God in every area of our lives. Okay, and, and where did you find that? Or In Leviticus. That's in Leviticus, okay, wonderful. Anybody else? Loving thy neighbor, being different from the world, being devoted to God in every area of life. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. Can you say that one more time? <clears throat> Keep all my decrees, all my laws, and follow them. Okay. So we're to keep all of Jean's decrees and laws and follow them. Was that, was that right out of Leviticus? Okay. Wonderful. Anything else? Anybody? 
um, with the, what's going on with the immigration issue in this country right now. It talked about how to treat people from, that come to your land. Okay, and what did it say about how to treat people that come to, that come to your land? Okay, so treat the alien and the stranger like they're one of you, one of your people, right. So they are included in, in the laws, they're included in the celebrations. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Found another one, Jill? Um, being a holy people would be celebrating what God has done. And that's, that's from Leviticus, celebrating what God has done, that the, that the festivals and the feasts were in direct correlation to or direct response to what God has done as feasts of thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. One more, one more. Oh, go ahead. I found several of the Ten Commandments in there in chapter 19, starting with verse 11. Do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another, do not swear falsely, and do not defraud your neighbor, do not hold back the wages, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are, those are echoing the second half of the Ten Commandments, and then also including even more what sounds like um, um, issues of justice, how, how to treat one another, how to, how to treat the alien, how to treat other people, don't, do not defraud, those sorts of things. All right, well, thank you very much. Uh, Dave is going to add to that, I think, in the message. Let's join together for one more song before then. Please turn in your Sing the Journey songbook to number 15.
Well, I think the boys and girls up front today echo exactly what I feel. Can't get enough of those books of the Bible. Just got to get more and more. Oh, and hi, Monica. How are you? <laughs> it's always good to see some of our college students when they come back for a visit. Well, yeah, I'm going to elaborate on what you have already intuited very, very well. You've been reading very accurately. So I'm just going to expand on what we've all been sharing today and what you've been seeing in your reading of Leviticus this week. You know, one time I said on a Sunday morning to Myron Gehring, how much rain did you get last night? He said, 70 hundreds. I said, we only got 30. You must be living a holier life than I am. We joke about holiness, but it is important for us to get a handle on just what being holy really is and what a holy life looks like very concretely. Um, I remember some ideas about holiness from growing up. See if you uh, recognize any of these. When I was growing up, being holy meant doing some things like believing in God, going to church, helping others, praying, reading the Bible. Uh, Holy also meant not doing some things like not smoking, drinking, swearing, chewing, playing cards, working on Sundays, having premarital sex, gambling, going to the movies. I think those were the big ones. And I remember, too, that the don'ts were emphasized more than the do's. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Well, that's how it was for me growing up, and that's how I first understood holiness. In the scriptures, holy means set apart. Set apart. Preeminently, God is holy uh, because God is set apart. God is other, different, distinct as creator, uniquely set apart from creation. Well, in a similar way, holy people are also distinct. They are not better than others. They are specialized, specialized. Holy people are distinct from others because they are distinct for others. Let me explain that. Holy people aren't perfect. Holy people are purposed. Holy people aren't perfect. Holy people are purposed. They are set apart to live according to God's purpose. And God's purpose is to redeem and restore all of creation. What a privilege. Holiness is a meaningful and beautiful calling, a calling to partner with God in turning things right side up. That's pretty cool. That's a little introduction and a start towards understanding holiness. And we can go further, kind of how you did in your reading. You picked up some specific things from the scriptures. They add detail to what a distinct God-purposed holy life looks like. And some of what the Bible says a holy life looks like may surprise us. Uh, The book of Leviticus, as we've said, has a lot to say about holiness. Today I want to look at one important chapter in that third book of the Bible. Some of you emphasize that in your sharing. And we can ask this question of it. 
what does being holy look like according to Leviticus 19? Leviticus 19 begins with two introductory verses, and then the rest of the chapter is a list of God's commands, quite a lengthy list. In those introductory verses, we hear this sentence, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. That sentence is like a title for the whole chapter. As a title then, everything that follows in the list of God's specific commands is a way of being holy. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at some of God's commands in that list that follows the title. We don't have time to look at all of them, but we'll look at enough of them that I think we'll see a very definite pattern. They, that list of commands will show us some of the details we're interested in. They will show us some specific things that are a part of a holy life. What I think you'll find fascinating, and if you're listening to the sharing, I think you already know, what I think you'll find is that the activities that are called holy are very wide-ranging. Holiness, as Leviticus 19 defines it, is a very, very broad thing. All right, now just before we look at that list, here's one more thing to observe from Leviticus 19. The words in that title, I am the Lord your God, or the short form, I am the Lord, appear 15 times in Leviticus 19. That's the highest density of that that language anywhere in the Bible. And so that sentence, or the short form, that's a constant reminder that a holy people are people who live their lives in relationship to God. Something Pastor Derek was emphasizing last week when he talked about being in covenant relationship. Okay, so now let's look at some of the things in the list of God's commands that appear in Leviticus 19 and follow those introductory couple of verses. I'm going to skip around a little bit, so you can open your Bibles if you want and try to stay with me, but I'll, I'll kind of spell them out for you. First, immediately following that title couple of verses, verses 3 and 4. Revere your mother and father, keep the Sabbath, don't make idols. If you're listening to some of the sharing, you know the answer to this question. Where else have we heard those kinds of commands? The Ten Commandments, these are three of them, kind of rephrased in slightly different language. Yeah. Uh, Revere your mother and father, keep the Sabbath, don't make idols. These are specific ways of living a holy life. Not any really big surprise there, is there? One thing I'll note here, though, this is interesting. In the Ten Commandments, it is honor your father and mother. In Leviticus, Leviticus, it's revere your mother and father. Mother is first. Sort of interesting. Let me skip down to verses 11 and 12. Don't steal, don't swear falsely. Again, heard those kinds of commands anywhere else? Right again. Don't steal, don't swear falsely. These are ways of being holy. 
Okay, probably no really real surprise there for most of us. Let me jump back to verses 9 and 10. This is my paraphrase. Don't harvest your crops too thoroughly. Leave some behind on purpose. Those are for the poor and the stranger. God says, practice farming so that it contributes to the welfare of the neediest members of the community. That is a way of being holy. Now, before that, there are verses 5 through 8, and this is the theme. In this section, it's about offerings to repair a broken relationship with God. So these verses are about what happens in worship. Practicing worship correctly is a way of being holy. And that is right alongside the verses which come next, which say practicing agriculture for the common good is a way of being holy. Isn't it interesting that holiness has to do with worship and economics, and that those two concerns are very easily integrated in the flow of this chapter? Side by side, isn't that interesting? Are we getting something of the pattern and the breadth here? Verse 13b, don't hold back the wages of your employees. Treating your workers fairly is a way of being holy. Verse 14, don't talk in a derogatory way about the hearing impaired or put an obstacle in front of the visually impaired. Again, sort of my paraphrase. We could express that more positively. Treat people who have disabilities with respect and dignity. That is a way of being holy. Verse 15, you shall not practice dishonesty in legal proceedings. You shall neither show partiality to the poor nor favoritism to the rich. You shall judge your neighbor objectively. Impartiality in legal proceedings, not showing favoritism, that is a way of being holy. You see, when the courts have too much sympathy for the powerless or too much deference to the powerful, what happens? Legal decisions get based on emotions or the manipulation of power. And that is unfair, and it is not based on something more objective, the rule of law. Leviticus is upholding the rule of law. That's pretty enlightened for an ancient culture, don't you think? Leviticus upholds the rule of law because without it, everything becomes arbitrary. Everything becomes about persuasion and power. So objectivity in legal proceedings, not showing favoritism, is a way of being holy. We're covering a lot of areas of life in this topic, aren't we? Something we heard in our sharing. Verse 32 Respect the elderly. This is a way of being holy. Verses 27 and 28, how you wear your hair, how you trim your beard, Uh how you treat your skin. These are ways of being holy. 
verses 20 through 22, maintain proper sexual boundaries. These are ways of being holy. How many business people do we have here today? Raise your hands. How many people are involved in business? Raise your hands. Okay. Um, In verses 35 and 36, God commands his people to use accurate weights and measures and scales as goods are bought and sold, okay? Just retail practices, just business practices generally. These are ways of being holy. Well, that's enough. I think we can stop there. What have we seen? What have we seen in this list of God's specific commands, the specifics about what a holy life looks like. Holiness touches every, every area of life. There is virtually nothing left out. Every area is touched on, from worship to treatment of employees to farming practices to dignity for senior citizens, respect for the disabled, to not gossiping and bearing grudges, to sexual responsibility, to legal rights for immigrants, to fair retail practices and consumer rights. Those are all in Leviticus 19, and they are all ways of being holy. This is extraordinary. Holiness is about the private sphere, one's personal purity. It's also about public life, a thoroughly involved public life, a public life that contributes to the common good. It's about private and public spheres, all life lived out in relationship to God. In God's idea of a holy life, religion and ethics are inseparable. Holiness integrates relationship with God and relationship with others, the vertical and the horizontal. They are one seamless whole, seamless as a cross. A holy life is a holistic life. This chapter is not the only place we see that in Leviticus. Here's another example on how a holy life attends to the vertical and the horizontal relationships together. Leviticus 25 is the great chapter on Jubilee, a very strange and progressive economic strategy where every 50th year, all debts are canceled. The scissors come out and all the visa cards get chopped up. All the mortgages are run through the shredder. Can you imagine that? Debts canceled. There's no more indebtedness. It's done. And if you sold your person or your property, it gets returned to you, and you get to return to your ancestral land. Wow. Well, in Leviticus 25.9, that great Jubilee chapter, the 50th year cancellation of all debts is implemented on the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement procedure is described in Leviticus 16. The Day of of Atonement is a a once-a-year occasion where the high priest, representing the whole people of God, the whole nation of Israel, 
goes inside the curtain to the Holy of Holies. <laughs> this is fascinating. And in later time, approaching the time of Jesus, this was so threatening that they tied a rope around the high priest's foot so that if he died from the awesomeness of being in the presence of holiness and his body fell inside the Holy of Holies, they could drag him out because nobody could go near the Holy of Holies. Think about that. What an occasion to think about. I'm, I get to go inside the Holy Holies with a rope tied on my foot. Unless, in case I keel over, they can drag out my corpse. Bet they wait in line for that. Imagine that. Anyway, on that day, the Day of Atonement, it's an occasion where sin is dealt with comprehensively nationwide. All those laws in the beginning of Leviticus about how you can repair relationship through sin for in all these ways through a sacrificial and offering system. By the time you get to chapter 16, it's clear that Israel realizes you can't ever take care of all sin. It's a condition that is so widespread. Well, never, people can't remember every single sin, or people might avoid confessing them, not use the sacrificial system, but those things still are there and need to be taken care of. The Day of Atonement took care of that, covered all the unconfessed, even unknown sins. But isn't it interesting, on that very day when the high priest takes care of that on behalf of everybody, it's also the day when neighbors release each other from indebtedness. Religion and ethics are inseparable. Forgiveness from God and forgiving others are two sides of the same coin. And friends, that is exactly what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. A holy life is a holistic life. And indeed, this is what Jesus taught. Jesus was asked, what is the great commandment in the law? And he responded by quoting two. Love God, from Deuteronomy 6.5, and love your neighbor as yourself, from Leviticus 19.18. So Jesus uh, reaffirms what God had already commanded in Leviticus, that holiness is an integrated life of loving God and loving others, a seamless combination of the vertical and horizontal. But there is more. If you go beyond Leviticus 19:18, love your neighbor as yourself, and go down to verse 34, this is what we read. You shall love the stranger as yourself. Within that marvelous Leviticus 19, already the definition of neighbor is being expanded to include the stranger. And guess what? Jesus is asked the question, who is my neighbor? And you know how he responds? With the story of the Good Samaritan, which is a story of a man who is neighborly to a stranger. So Jesus is reaffirming 
this expanding definition of neighbor and the widening love which is already present in the pages of the third book of the Bible. A holy life is a holistic life. And that's exactly what we hear in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Let me read this to you. We're in the New Testament now, obviously. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. Therefore, brothers and sisters, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as the one who calls you is holy, be holy yourselves in all of your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is an integrated life of loving God and others, and holiness is for the new covenant people as well as for the first covenant people. Dear brothers and sisters, we are a holy people, blessed with being set apart for God's purposes. Not perfect, but purposed. Set apart to partner with God in turning things right side up. And friends, in every area of your life and in every way you do it, the Lord will bless you in being holy. As we enter into a time of prayer, I invite you to take note of the um, folks who are listed in the Remember in Prayer section in your bulletin. Um, also, I will add to that uh, Marlene Crable, who um, is at Mercy Hospital currently recovering from the flu. Um, if you will, take your blue hymnal and open it in the back to number 698. We're gonna read this confession at the end of the prayer together. So number 698, just put your finger in that um, and then I will, I will cue us when we will be reading that confession together. 698. And let's pray together. Lord, we come to you with prayer concerns that are named and those that are not named. We trust that you hear our prayers when we call on you. This morning we lift up Sherry Bradbury as she 
manages her way through cancer. Lord, bring healing to her body. Provide her with the medical attention she needs as well as the family support and love that she needs to step bravely through these coming days. And Lord, give her family members, brothers and sisters and family, strength in walking with her through this difficult time. Lord, we pray for Ken Flickner, who's at Mercy Hospital, and Marlene Crable at Mercy. Lord, in your love, touch them with your healing hand. Bring healing to their bodies. Give them the rest that they need and give them strength to face the coming days. For Kurt Graber and Lenora Gehring and the family of Harvey Gehring, Lord, we thank you for a life well lived. We pray for comfort in times of sorrow and loss. We pray for hope for that day when every tear will be wiped from our eyes. Lord, we also lift up Phil Schmidt and his family and Tabor Mennonite Church. We thank you for the blessing of a call to ministry and for the affirmation of that call through congregation and conference. May his ministry continue to be a blessing to Tabor and the surrounding community in Gossel. Lord, you call us to be holy. You call us to be holistic. And we admit that we have not always fulfilled that calling. You know and we know that we are not called to be perfect, but we are still called to strive towards holiness, towards a purposefulness. And we thank you that you make room for our imperfection and for our failings. For the people of Israel, you provided sacrifices and a day of atonement. And for us, you have given us Jesus. Who took our sin on the cross who will come in again in glory, making all things new. But until that day, we ask for forgiveness daily for our failings. And let us read together number 698 in the blue hymnal. Forgive me my sins, O Lord. Forgive me the sins of my youth and the sins of my age the sins of my soul and the sins of my body, my secret and my whispering sins, the sins I have done to please myself and the sins I have done to please others. Forgive those sins which I know and the sins which I do not know. 
Forgive them, Lord. Forgive them all in your great goodness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And amen. Let's stand for the benediction and our closing song. Friends, you have been blessed to be a holy people, and the Lord will bless you as you live a holy life. Amen. Hymn number 420, we'll sing verses 1 and 3.